0: Today on the Ticker tapes we hear from James, who was on holiday in Turkey when he realised something wasn't right.
1: I was diving for the day, and I was under the water with my wetsuit on and it was nice warm water, and I started shaking uncontrollably, freezing cold under the water. After the dive, I got back on the boat, lay in the sunshine with my black wetsuit on, and I could not get warm. I just shivered and shivered for 15, 20 minutes and then I came back around again.
0: From the British Heart Foundation, I'm Bill Snadden. On the ticker tapes, we hear from people living with heart and circulatory conditions. On this episode, James tells me about the diagnosis that threw his life into a spin and how an anxious wait for heart surgery during the COVID pandemic led to his decision to bypass the NHS, opting instead to have his surgery done privately.
1: Went to do a second dive. Exactly the same thing happened again while I was under the water. I uh, just started to shake, freezing cold. Couldn't really do anything until the dive was finished. Again, got back out onto the boat and just lay there shivering until eventually it went off 15, 20 minutes later again. And then shortly after that, I'd start to get very hot sweats. I'd be absolutely dripping with sweats, boiling hot. And then next minute I'd be freezing and shaking, quite like flu symptoms, but I'd say a lot worse. Hmm.
0: And you say um, the water was was warm and it's sunny and it was just strange.
1: Yeah, yeah, the the water was about 20-odd degrees. Obviously, unbeknown to me, this was an infection starting inside my, uh, in my heart, um, which obviously then got worse and worse. Hmm.
0: And you were 46 at this stage? I'd just gone 46, yes. Just gone 46, and you're pretty fit and healthy, uh, enjoy running in the gym
1: Absolutely, yeah. Running several times a week, a couple of half marathons a year, very fit and healthy, reasonably good diet, and, yeah, just came on suddenly. And this
0: incident, um, the shivering on the boat incident, set in motion a series of events leading to a diagnosis. Can you talk me through that? Well,
1: initially it didn't. I was just getting the shivers and, and the, the sweats and just thought it was flu coming on so I just went along with it but then after maybe a month or so thinking it's lasting a little bit longer than what it should be uh, I went to see the doctors and they just said you had a chest infection so they gave me some antibiotics for a chest infection uh, which seemed to help a little bit it went away but then it just kept coming and going they put me on more antibiotics and it would go away go away again I had started a diet, I was eating very carefully, and I started to lose weight, so that I didn't think was an issue. But then when I started to lose two stone, I thought this diet's going a bit over the top now. Hmm. Um, when I went to see the doctor after some blood tests, they said that um, I was anemic, but as long as I hadn't lost any weight, it shouldn't be a problem. And I thought, hmm. I have, I've lost two stones since the last time I saw you.
0: And two stone, that's, uh, that's about 12 kilograms or so. For those, uh, for those that uh, work in a different yeah. language, that's a lot of weight to lose in a short amount of time.
1: Well, from 13 stone to 11 stone in probably two months, mm. a little less. So obviously the doctor was in panic mode then, but they just didn't seem to be getting anywhere. So we went privately. So we'll be looking October now. Mm-hmm. Uh, went privately and they put a camera up and down me and uh, a week later told me that they couldn't find anything wrong with me apart from my spleen it was enlarged. It was, uh, I believe, it was 16.1 centimetres, and it should have been 8 centimetres in diameter. Hmm. Now, uh, they said they'd get haematology to contact me. This was on the Wednesday. On the Friday, we went away for the weekend with some friends. Sunday morning, I woke up with a cruciating pain in my groin area. Um, my wife went out with my little girl for the day and left me in bed. But that evening when she came home, I told her that, I needed to go to A&E because I was in so much pain. When I went to A&E, they obviously did the whole check over, listened to my heart and told me that I had a heart murmur, which I said, pretty sure I don't. I Mm. had checked fairly recently and uh, I'm fit. I've never had a heart problem before. He said, no, you definitely have a heart murmur, which got them thinking it could be a heart issue. Hmm. When they checked me over, they told me that my heart had an infection called endocarditis, and the infection it to my spleen, and that was what was causing my pain in my groin, and my spleen was dying. So I stayed, so I was in Scarborough, I stayed in Scarborough Hospital for a week, under a lot of medication, a lot of antibiotics. They managed to transfer me back to Halifax, where I'm from, uh, for an alien week, and I then had a nurse coming out to my house for another four and a half weeks uh, to put antibiotics into me intravenously. I then started to put weight back on again, start to feel better. started doing a bit more running again. Um, I had to go for an echocardiogram every week. Mm. And after about my fourth or fifth echocardiogram, so I'm reckoning probably knocking on December now, a doctor was just talking to a nurse, didn't realize I wasn't aware, and asked her, uh, or mentioned to her about getting me booked in for open heart surgery. Hmm. And this is December point, This say, is December 2019 with COVID just around the corner. That's right. So I wasn't aware of COVID at the time. Hmm. Um, so I said, who's, who's having heart surgery? I'm not. And he said, uh, yes, you are. Don't you know? At which point I started to shake and got very upset. So the nurse took me into the family room and explained to me that the uh, endocarditis had eaten away at my heart valve. And it caused my heart to leak, basically. Mm-hmm.
0: This endocarditis, um, can you just yes. explain briefly what it is?
1: It's a, an infection of the lining of the heart, mm-hmm. which breaks off, or in my case, broke off and spread around my body. Okay. So uh, two things on my right hand got infected. My right foot got infected. I was also struggling with my... Brain, I I felt like my brain was loose. Um, I presume I got some of it into my brain as well. So Mm. I couldn't concentrate on more than one thing at a time. I was getting migraines every day, sometimes Mm. twice a day.
0: You say you felt like your brain was loose. Yeah,
1: Uh, if I, when I walked or if I shook my head, it just felt like my brain was banging against the inside of my head. Mm. Um, Any pain would go away straight away, but it just felt so uncomfortable. Mm. It's it's a, a sensation you can't really explain. Yeah. So, so basically they got me to see a consultant, uh, the cardiologist, um, and got me booked in for open heart surgery for May, 2020.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's when obviously COVID had started off for a month or got gotten quite big, so a month or so before then. Mm. Um, so at which point they phoned me back two weeks before the operation was due. I think it was the sixth of May it was due. June and and cancel the operation, which I was expecting mm-hmm. obviously
0: yeah this um endocarditis have doctors told you at this stage what they think might have brought it on
1: mm. this is the uh, the the unknown really mm. it's generally caused by drug users using dirty needles, which I'm not, or an infection through your gums, dental work that kind of thing mm-hmm. Now, my dental appointment prior to me catching this, I'd missed, so it wasn't caught through the dentist. So we don't really know. It could be caught through any kind of minor scratches all over the body, really, but it's more obvious if you get through your, your mouth or through injecting. Mm-hmm. So it could have been something I picked up through work. We just don't really know. Mm-hmm. Can't put a finger on exactly where where it came from.
0: What is your work, James?
1: I'm a plumbing and heating engineer. Okay, so it is possible there. It is. Which yeah. is possible. It's the only thing we can think of, really, which would have caused it. Mm. We just don't know when. I do cut myself regular at work—scratches, mm-hmm. nicks, and all sorts of things. So it could have been at any point.
0: Yeah, sure. So that um, May twenty twenty date for the operation—that's cancelled because of COVID—and you you take that in your stride. Um, you understand yeah. that there's a there's a pandemic about to take off, and then your Valve operation is cancelled a further four times. Can you just run me through each of those four cancellations?
1: Well, technically the second time was more of a mess up on dates. So I was given an operation date, but they hadn't booked me in for the pre-op uh, checkover. Mm-hmm. So they had to cancel that. And then I was given another date because beginning of September, where I went into the hospital on a Sunday, obviously starved myself, Uh, stayed in overnight for the operation on Monday. I was second on the list and about, I imagine about half past 10, 11 o'clock on the Monday, the nurses came to tell me that uh, they'd had to cancel the operation. Mm -hmm. There'd been an emergency coming in. So we watched the helicopter land on the landing pad next to me, Mm. uh, not knowing, not realizing that that was the person who was gonna take my hospital bed. Hmm. This is at Leeds Leeds Hospital. This is at LGI, yeah. Hmm. Obviously, I don't blame any of this on the NHS or uh, the doctors or anything. It's just Hmm. one of those unfortunate things. So I was given another date approximately two weeks later. Same thing again. Went into hospital on the Sunday, second on the list for Monday, Uh, late morning. Uh, they came in to tell me that a COVID patient had been taken into the ICU ward that I was to go in. Hmm. Now, there may be six or eight beds eight possibly in that ward, but having one COVID person in there meant they had to shut the whole ward to anybody else. How did you,
0: how did you um, respond in that moment?
1: Well, the, the previous time, um, extremely emotional. When you know you're going in for heart surgery and you're going to be fully opened up, There is a very small chance you could possibly lose your life, very small. You still have to prepare yourself for that. Mm. So the first time round, I I phoned my wife to tell her, but that is all I could say. The operation has been canceled and I just wanted to cry basically. Second time I was in hospital, obviously the the feeling wasn't quite as bad because I'd experienced it once already, but still very emotional, very emotional. And all this time I'm self isolating. So it was three months of isolation altogether. Mm. no work. Then the third time in hospital, they exactly the same thing again. Um, I was told I'd be first on the list this time to make sure that it, it happened. First thing in the morning, nothing happened. Nobody came to see me. It went on a bit longer. The nurses weren't too sure what was happening. And then they came to tell me then that they just didn't have enough staff. They'd all been taken into the COVID wards. And they didn't have enough people in the ICU to look after me. So I had to go home again, hmm. at which point I asked to see my surgeon, uh, who was a, a great guy. Uh, he came to see me straight away and I explained to him that I did have private healthcare and that because I was going to have so much time of work. I decided to go through the NHS because the private healthcare would have paid me cash for every night I spent in hospital, which would help me towards my time of work. Mm-hmm. But now, after having three months off already, could he do me privately? And if so, when? He said he could have it done within two weeks. So his secretary came to see me, got me booked in, and 10 days later, I was in a private hospital in my own little room um, waiting to have heart surgery, which then went ahead perfectly. Mm-hmm. And um, it was all done.
0: Hmm. Just um, Was that a cat that I heard in the background, James?
1: It's just snuck into the room, yeah. So <laughs> We've got a guest. Who, who's, uh, who's
0: the cat? What's the cat's name? Well, the cat is actually
1: worse off than me. He's called Ernie. We've got Bert and Ernie. Bert Ernie. Butters. That's Ernie. Yeah. yeah, that was Ernie. Okay. Ernie lost his leg a few years ago. Got hit by a car. Gee, not not your car? No, no, that we believe it was a taxi. Um, so yes, he was hit by a car, lost a leg, lost a few teeth, and is still the toughest cat around. Um, Ernie
0: didn't have to go private for the operation?
1: Yeah, he did actually, yes. Mm. We had to pay a fortune for that.
0: <laughs> Probably about as much as your heart operation. Um, we, we, we'll leave that alone. <laughs>
1: <laughs> My heart operation was about 15 grand. He was about thousand pounds. Okay. A Ed, Ed, but yours was covered. Wait, through, 25 grand, sorry.
0: Yours was covered through private um, medical insurance. Um, yes. Just jumping back uh, to those cancelled operations um, through the NHS before you went private, you would come home each time and uh, have to. Um, Explain to your younger daughter the situation. I understand she was a bit confused at times.
1: That's correct. So she will have been six, uh, yeah, six at the time. Um, And, yeah, I I was telling her that it'd be a week before I'd see her again because I'd been in hospital for a week and she wasn't allowed to visit me and got her all sorted out for that. And then the next day she'd come home from school and I'd be sat there waiting for her. So I'd have to explain to her that it had been cancelled and I'd have to do do it all again. Mm. Um, and then in two weeks' time, I'd be going away for another week, and then I'd be coming back again and seeing and say, "Yeah, it's been cancelled again." So she was just thinking it wasn't going to happen, and that maybe I was making it up or having a bit of a fun with her, mm. um, having a joke with her. So yeah, that was that was difficult. But every time I told her that I was going away, then she got to have a sleepover in our bed. Okay. With us, so uh, <laughs> bit of a treat. She, that was just yeah, just to soften the blow for a little bit. it's yeah. not something you would normally be allowed to do.
0: And financially, you say you're off work for three or so months. Um, That's got to be tough for a self-employed plumber and engineer. I was off
1: work for five and a half months in total, uh, not including COVID. Uh, So I had three months of isolation, and then I was supposed to have three to six months after my operation to recover. Um, Luckily, I, I do believe that being fit and healthy, had a a good bearing on it um i recovered very well and after two and a half months i went back to work doing part-time light work Mm -hmm. then obviously with covid i had i had a 12 months off in total and like you say being self-employed that's not easy
0: no and you've spoken about the quite severe anxiety that takes hold during uh, this Mm. period
1: yeah more so when you're waiting for the operation to happen you're you're building yourself up for it you're getting anxious um every time it gets cancelled the anxiety gets higher once the operation had been done i had quite a a relaxed feeling Mm -hmm. because i knew i had nowhere to go nowhere to be I wasn't letting anybody down apart from obviously not working not earning um i was just basically start off with just at home relaxing in a sense Mm -hmm. and the, the better i got the more i started walking walking longer distances, walking faster and faster until eventually got back into running again.
0: As a charity, the British Heart Foundation depends on the generosity of donors to continue carrying out our life-saving research. Thank you to all those who already give. It's truly appreciated. If you too would like to donate, you can do so by going to bhf.org.uk slash donate. And now, back to the conversation. Did you find ways of dealing with that anxiety and the uncertainty before the operation?
1: Walking, mm-hmm. going out with my little girl. Obviously, I was also homeschooling as well because she was at home a lot of the time. Hmm. So that kept my mind off things. Yep. Reading. I'm not a reader. I don't hmm. do reading, but I've discovered the world of books. What were you and, reading? Uh, oh, there's one, uh, one in particular about a doctor. I think it's called um, This May Hurt a Little Bit or something like that. Oh, and yes. It it's quite funny. Life. Yeah, very funny. It starts off very funny and then... Adam Kay. That's the one. That's the one. So it's all about him uh, going through university and training to be a doctor. The funny things that would happen, the patients that would come in with silly symptoms, um, some some of them rude, some of them funny, going all the way through to him becoming, I think, a senior doctor. Uh, And then the reality of things and the cutbacks and uh, not enough pay, too many hours. So it ends quite... It's nothing like as funny at the end as what it is at the beginning, but it's definitely a a book I'd recommend.
0: Yes, I recall reading that years ago and was having a good laugh, but there's a serious message coming through it. Um, Yes. And um, so you ultimately went private and and you're feeling much better now, a little while after the operation.
1: Feeling so much better now. Hmm. Um, Six months after the operation, up to the day, I did a 10K trail race, which I was a trail run with some friends, and I beat them all back. Um, Well done. Just last, thank you, just last Saturday, uh, so that'll be about 11 months after my operation. Okay. I did uh, a 10 mile uh, race in York, Mm -hmm. came about 350th out of 1,500 people, uh, one hour, one hour twenty-nine.
0: Well done. And you're up in Halifax, West Yorkshire. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yes. And um, yes. just to get it uh, all cleared off, um, you had um, doctor's uh, permission, so to speak, a clearance before you, you do these exercise um, pursuits?
1: I did. I did. Through my surgery, uh, even with the NHS, they would do it normally because of COVID. They stopped doing it. But in mm. the private hospital, I went to cardiac rehab. So they built me up slowly over a few weeks on the treadmill, uh, checking my heart rates, checking my blood pressure, um, different uh, cardiac machines to just build up my fitness um, and gave me some basic rules to stick to. Keep mm-hmm. my heart rate up to up to 121 maximum, which is nothing. Mm-hmm. Then I was taken off on medication after three months. So my heart rate was allowed to go higher and then uh, I spoke to my cardiologist a few weeks ago who's just said go for it your mm-hmm. heart is as fit as it's going to be unless you feel poorly just run as far and as fast as you want mm.
0: how did that feel getting, so, yeah getting that all getting that, getting that oh,
1: I've got races booked I've got all sorts of things booked now for yep. uh, for the next few months yeah uh yeah it's a big relief you not, you don't feel as conscious every time you're running or even walking checking your heart monitor yeah I, I wear a strap around my chest when I'm training uh which obviously is gives me my heart rate. Um, so I don't have to wear that anymore. I don't have to worry about that anymore. So all clear.
0: And you're going to um, do some runs for the British Heart Foundation?
1: Quite possibly. I think people are going to start getting sick of me.
0: No, no pressure. No pressure, James, but thanks in advance for your <laughs> fundraising efforts.
1: I think people are going to get sick of me uh, raising money all the time and asking them for money, but I will certainly be trying to raise as much as I can when I can.
0: Good man. I know the events team and the fundraising team will be happy to hear from you, James. Um, yeah, definitely. you start yeah, to definitely. bring in... Um, the millions of pounds that we expect from you.
1: Um, (laughs) Absolutely no pressure whatsoever. (laughs) Not
0: at all. Now, you also spoke at a parliamentary committee hearing recently on the growing number of um, people on waiting lists for um, treatment and operations. Are you able to just summarise your your message to to the MPs uh, that day?
1: Yeah, well, basically, uh, Jeremy Hunt and his team uh, Zoom called me, um, as well as another... a cancer patient as well, and just asked us a few questions on how we felt, what happened, uh, which obviously I explained to them the way it was. Uh, The feedback was good. They found it very... They they told me they wanted to be educated by my situation, so they found it very enlightening. And um, then uh, BBC called me back an hour later and asked me if I would go on the news at 10 and if they could use the parliamentary speech for that, which they did. So I sent them some photographs. Of me when I was fit and healthy, and some photographs of when I was poorly. They played my my interview with Parliament, and yeah, it was very interesting. Mm. It was uh, quite a, a
0: fun day. Your story is one of many, and many, and, and a growing number who are waiting for um, some routine operations, but some very serious um, treatment as well. Mm. So that uh, I know that's useful um, to get your story out there. To. Put a human face to the the huge waiting lists um, and the
1: demand, and to explain how people feel when they are waiting, when their operation is put back and put back. Mm. Um, people, they just they sit in the home. They can't. They're isolating or whatever. They can't go anywhere. Can't do anything. So nobody sees how they feel. Mm. So, having been through that, uh, it was just good to explain to them exactly what it's like. Yeah, who's had it done? Do you know
0: what would have happened um, if your operation didn't take place? If you didn't go private?
1: I think if it got to a point where I was going to die or anything like that, they would have dragged things forward and made sure it got done. But mm. I think, again, being being reasonably young in the grand scale of things and fit and healthy, I would always be the one getting put to the back because mm. there were people a lot worse than me. But I could in myself, I could feel myself getting more and more poorly, getting more and more tired. Just I think anxiety is building up more and more and it, I just needed to have it done, really. Yeah. So you might have I, mentioned... I don't think I'd have got to a point where I would have died, but mm. I would have got worse and worse. Yeah,
0: because you mentioned um, maybe earlier that it got to a point where you just couldn't get up the stairs and, and you were just at
1: wit's end at points. Yeah, yeah, you climb the stairs, sit down at the top, take a breath. And then it'd be funny, you could go for a long walk and I'd feel fine. Or I could just climb some steps and then feel awful. It would just hit and miss sometimes. it probably depended on how much rest I'd had, how much sleep I'd had. Yeah. Um. But there's no medication they could give me to help me at all. You just had to get on with it, really.
0: Yeah. And it's possible that you might still be waiting, uh, if you hadn't have gone private.
1: It's possible. Yeah. It's possible. Although I would have been kicking off by that point, I think. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I can tell you're a pretty uh, calm, patient bloke, but uh, I, I, there are probably times when you need to um, up the ante a bit.
1: A little bit, and I've got a wife that can do it for me as well. Okay, she all right. She to get something across. She just, she's very good at that as
0: well. Okay, all right. I could see how the uh, division of labour works in, in your union there, James. Um, <laughs> and uh, you're now 47, correct? I am, yes. Um, lovely wife and, and a couple of daughters. What does the future hold for, uh, for James Wilkinson?
1: Upwards and onwards, really. Back to work now. I'm back to work full time. I've uh, got a few projects I want to do at home uh, build a house on some land next door to us, which I'll be doing most of it by myself, hopefully hmm yeah, and just just get back to work. uh some holidays hmm looking forward to that. I've had one holiday this year, which uh, I was lucky to get um, but yeah, I think get some more money saved up, get back into the swing of life and and enjoy life. Lovely. some more diving uh,
0: holidays by the water.
1: Definitely. When I' want to get somewhere warm, yes yep, be nice to get back to Egypt at some point maybe
0: okay. All right, sounds good. One last question I had. Uh, I, I can't leave you without asking this. I noticed your WhatsApp profile uh, picture, James, is a photo of Bruce Willis. Can you, um, can you talk me through this? It's,
1: not. <laughs> it's not. It's me. No. <laughs> yes. No, it's not, James. Just, just, I haven't put Bruce Willis on.
0: No, I'm, I'm, that is not you. What, what's i wearing? You've got kind of the, the beret hat cap on. It's Bruce Willis from yep. some movie. It's got to be.
1: That is me filming Peaky Blinders. You're kidding. I was in... No, no. I had uh, I, uh, walk uh, a walk-on part, an extra part in Peaky Blinders, which they <laughs> uh, filmed part of in Leeds in a warehouse. So, yeah, I was in the very first episode of the... Uh, yeah, the very first Peaky Blinders that was out.
0: Mate, I am gobsmacked. I would have put a lot of money on <laughs> that being Bruce Willis.
1: That has been said. I have been told that before. I don't see it myself, but yes. <laughs> well, maybe Bruce Willis looks like you. <laughs> maybe Chuckle. Um, well, he's a handsome guy. What can I say? It's a dashing
0: photo, James. i tell you what. Um, all right. Well, I'm, I'm glad I've cleared that up and I, I stand corrected. Um, and uh, <laughs> there we go. Peaky blinders. Um, look out for James in uh, the first episode. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Thank you, Um For your time today, James, and and thanks for everything you do for the British Heart Foundation. It's greatly appreciated.
1: You're most welcome. Anytime.
0: As of October 2021, hospital waiting lists for life-saving heart care continue to grow, with over 280,000 people in England waiting for heart tests and treatment. This is the 16th consecutive month that numbers have risen. The number of people in England waiting over a year for heart tests and treatment is now 3,798 That's 136 times higher than before the pandemic, when only 28 people were waiting this long. On the release of these stats in early December 2021, I asked Dr Sonia Babu Narayan, the BHF's Associate Medical Director and Consultant Cardiologist, about the troubling picture that has emerged.
2: We're still seeing significant disruption from routine heart care to heart imaging tests to vital heart surgery. Running alongside this, there's a serious cause for concern as COVID cases rise and the Omicron variant rapidly spreads, placing a huge strain on NHS staff who are doing a remarkable job under extremely difficult circumstances. Non emergency care is frequently far from routine, as it is so called. Cardiac care is often time critical. Treatments like heart surgery aren't a luxury. Delays to treatment may lead to more people having heart attacks that need not have happened or developing disabling and permanent heart failure that was avoidable. In some cases it may lead to premature death. All said, the ongoing disruption to tests, not only treatment, is creating a worrying snowball effect. Heart patients need to hear how the vast and increasingly urgent backlog of cardiovascular care will be addressed. We look forward to the government sharing its elective care recovery plan for England, which should contain a strategy for tackling the shortage of doctors and nurses who specialise in heart disease. Getting this right could well prevent more death and disability from heart conditions that decades of research has already shown us how to successfully treat.
0: If you've got any questions or concerns about your heart or circulatory health and would find it helpful to speak to a cardiac nurse on the BHF's heart helpline, go to our website at bhf.org.uk slash heart helpline and you'll find all the contact options there. You'll also find useful information in the episode notes and on our website bhf.org.uk. See you next time on The Ticker Tapes.